The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us as always. Today, we are going to take a trip to St. Joseph, Missouri. St. Joseph is identified by the slogan, where the Pony Express started and Jesse James ended. St. Joseph, Missouri was voted the top true Western town by True West Magazine back in 2007. The townsfolk maintain that proud distinction and live accordingly even today. This is American Road Trip Talk, St. Joseph, Missouri, our destination. We'll have the interview on the other side of a few words from our good friend Anson Williams about alert drops. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called alert drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and alert drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, Alert Drops will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get Alert Drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. We're going to be speaking with our honored guest of this half hour named Beth Conway. Beth has been involved in tourism since 1999, mostly in the marketing, PR, and communications field. Since 2005, she has served as communications director for the Buchanan County Tourism Board, doing business as the St. Joseph Convention and Visitors Bureau, where Beth is in charge of all PR, communications, web technology, advertising, and all social media. We are so glad to welcome to Trip Talk, Beth Conway. Glad to have you with us, Beth. Hey, guys, thanks for inviting me. We were looking forward to this for quite some time, and we arranged <laughs> the schedule so that we could have you join us. And I must say, for being a town of, as far as I understand, a population less than 100,000, history has been both kind and challenging to the good folk throughout the decades and over a century there in St. Joseph, right along the wide Missouri River with so much history about which you can boast and that travelers, especially road travelers, would absolutely love to experience in various ways. And here you are, the ideal lady to talk to about all of this. <laughs> St. Joseph, Missouri, where the Pony Express started and where Jesse James ended. With that kind of framework, go for it. Tell us about St. <laughs> Joe. Well, that is a good place to start for sure. Um, when I started in tourism, let's see, it's been six, about 21 years ago. I was actually the marketing director at the Pony Express Museum. And I was born and raised here in St. Joseph and really took for granted uh, the history and the importance that St. Joseph played 
in the development and involvement of the American West and, and American history in general. And it wasn't until, you know, I, of course, I'm a teenager going to high school and thinking, oh, nobody comes to St. Joe. Why would you possibly come to St. Joe? There's nothing to do here. And it wasn't until I really started working, getting involved in tourism, that I realized that we entertain people from all over the United States and many, many foreign countries because the fascination and the romanticism behind the Wild West is still so appreciated and revered and studied. And in fact, more so overseas in European um, and, and Western cultures, they're just fascinated by the stories of the Wild West. And so that's when I really gained an appreciation for what St. Joseph has uh, what we've been able to preserve and what we can offer visitors who come to our location. And it is your happy challenge to tell the world about it. I wanted to say, Beth, I was, I found it remarkable that True West Magazine would look at St. Joseph, Missouri, because you think of the West, of course. I mean, I've lived in California. I've lived in Nevada. I've lived up in, in Washington. We mm -hmm. broadcast from Seattle. I'm accustomed to thinking of the far West as the West. But we are right. talking about westward expansion. And exactly. here you were about a couple of years into your current job when you got this wonderful distinction from this magazine that must have had a lot of factors going into their, to their decision to give you this award as being the top true Western town. Right. We actually call ourselves the location of St. Joseph where the West officially started getting wild. That was our <laughs> that was our tagline for a while because we were the jumping off place for everyone who was traveling to settle in the West. Um, there were three factors, one being that the telegraph ended here in St. Joseph. So any information that came over the telegraph lines uh, was then turned into mail and um, sent across the country via stagecoaches or via the Pony Express. We were also the place where um, stagecoach line ended. This is where they would come through to gather and purchase their provisions to get them across the country to wherever they were planning to settle. And then this is where the railroad ended at the time. So that, uh, you know, information packages um, people, anybody who needed to get uh, further west would come via railroad. And so for those three reasons, that is why the founders of the Pony Express chose St. Joseph as the starting place, the eastern terminus for their mail service. Um, go ahead. Uh, when it comes to the Pony Express, the first time I read up on it a little bit, which wasn't this week in preparation for our interview, it was a while ago, but I remember thinking, wow, the Pony Express for being so deeply and famously rooted in the Old West and westward expansion really didn't last very long. 18 months. It really didn't last that long. A lot of people think that it was because of the telegraph. And that was definitely a factor. The telegraph was finally completed from coast to coast. And so they didn't necessarily need um, the mail service to send information. Obviously, mail was still important, but in order to send very timely information, they could use the telegraph. But actually, it went bankrupt. It was just too expensive, too expensive of an endeavor. And the founders did not get the government contract that they were promised. So the company eventually went bankrupt. It just so happened that the um, telegraph was completed and the railroad 
uh, soon after that. So it became obsolete. But yeah, about only 18 months. But the romanticism behind it, um, the excitement behind it, the fact that these were young men, boys, in some instances, um, who would travel across the country 24 hours a day to transport information to the West Coast. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. And it, the way they put the system together, um, it was very modern in, in in the way that they were able to create these stations across the country and um, keep these riders safe for, for the most part. And Beth, how is the Pony Express commemorated today in St. Joseph? Well, there, It's featured in many different locations. Obviously, um, we have the Pony Express statue, which was unveiled back in, I believe, the 40s. I would need to look that up for sure. But it's a, it's a very, very large statue commemorating the Pony Express. It's a bronze statue. Um, I believe it was commissioned and, and created by an artist named Herman McNeil. But then we also have the original Pony Express stables. They were called the Pikes Peak stables at the time. And that's where the horses were kept in preparation for the Pony Express, but it was also like a parking garage at the time. So anybody who had horses that needed to be stabled, um, they could rent space in the Pony Express stables. Now it is a completely modern, interactive um, journey through the story of the creation, operation, and termination of the mail service. It's, it's incredibly interactive. It's great for kids, um, but it is housed inside the original structure. And then just up the street is the Patey House Museum. That was actually called uh, the World's Hotel. And it was used as the headquarters for the Pony Express. So the offices of the founders, Waddell, Majors, and Reed, would have offices up at Patey House. Um, in fact, there are doors that go from the floor to the ceiling that can be open, much like French doors. And the riders would just ride on into the building and pick up the mail and be on their way. So that's, there's a couple locations. And then actually we have 13 museums here in St. Joseph, which is incredibly rare for a town our size. We have more museums per capita than Washington DC when you actually do the numbers. That's amazing. And so, yeah, so most of our museums do touch on the history of the Pony Express because it was such an important part of our history. So really anywhere you go, you'll learn a little bit about the Pony Express, but for a, a deep dive into the history and to understand how it operated, I would suggest the Pony Express Museum and the Patey House. Now, if we're going to talk about St. Joseph, Missouri in a bookended way, that's where the Pony Express started. It is commemorated mm -hmm. there in multiple locations. That's good to know. I cannot imagine a more famous, some would say notorious, but the locals seem to love him. And I'm talking about Jesse James, an extraordinary man, and again, deeply rooted in the American West and its saga. What was the connection? What was the ultimate fate of Jesse James in St. Joseph, Missouri? So at the time Jesse settled here in St. Joseph, he was under uh, an assumed name and he was hiding. That was essentially his his reasons for staying here. He, he was hiding from the authorities. He's obviously had a history of being a robber, train robber, bank robber, whatever you can think of. 
And um, he came to St. Joseph to hide out with his family. He had he'd come to a point in his life where he was kind of moving away from his career, I guess, so to speak, and uh, just wanted to live very quietly in St. Joseph and thought it was safe. In fact, he built his house in St. Joseph at one of the, the highest hills in town so that he could stand outside on his porch and make sure that no one was coming to bother him. Um, but what happened was he had taken in a, a couple of young kids um, that were technically part of his gang, but more so outsiders. And they turned their back on him. They believed that they could um, pretty much assassinate him and then um, be given the award, the, the financial award that the governor had put on his head, kind of the bounty, I guess, so to speak. So he was shot here. And the interesting thing about the Pony Express and Jesse James is they both happened, or the assassination of Jesse James, is they both happened on April 3rd. The Pony Express began on April 3rd, 1860, and Jesse James was assassinated on April 3rd, 1882. So there's that connection as well. And when it comes to commemoration, I understand that there is a Jesse James Home Museum there, it it's seems actually, like it's been moved around. It has. Um, it originally sat at the top of the hill on Lafayette Street. Now it resides just two blocks away, um, kind of on the back side of the Patey House Museum. So the organization that runs the Patey House also oversees the Jesse James home. But back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, um, maybe I think maybe it was the 70s when it was finally moved, there was a strip of, of town called the Belt Highway that was on the east side of town where all the new shops, new stores, uh, malls, you know, the things of the time, things were kind of moving away from the center of town and downtown and moving out east. And um, Jesse's mother, who was you know, quite an interesting woman, decided that uh, she could charge people to walk through that house where he was assassinated. So the family run, ran the house for a while, then it was turned over to an association, and then they decided to move it back down where it could be preserved and, and overseen by the Pony Express Historical Association. So it has moved around a little. There's some interesting pictures in the museum of it being hiked up on, on different frames and then loaded onto trucks and traveled through town and uh, but today you can see it almost exactly as it was when he was shot. I understand that the Heaton Bowman Smith Funeral Home maintains or maintained a small museum about Jesse James. And the reason why is because their predecessors actually conducted the funeral. Yes, exactly. And they have the basket that he was carried in after oh, he wow. was shot. Yes, yeah, so you can actually see that at their little museum. It's quite interesting. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say that he's revered here in St. Joseph necessarily, um, but definitely notorious and definitely a reason why people come here to learn about his history and why he ended up in St. Joseph. If that weren't enough, and that would be enough to make me want to go there. I hope to get there someday. I've been through Missouri, stopped at a couple different places. I have not visited St. Joseph. Maybe I will one day. I wanted to ask you, though, Beth, about 
this remarkable distinction you have as being per capita anyway, America's city of museums. Let me tick off a few of the titles here. I mean, for one, I find this utterly fascinating. The Glore Psychiatric Museum. <laughs> Hello. There's that. And there is, and this is Black History Month. So we need to mention uh -huh. Black Archives Museum. For those who are so inclined, there's a doll museum, also yep. a Native American and History Galleries, and even the Wyeth Tootle Mansion. And I'm, I don't know anything about that. But what a feast for people with a good GPS who want to get around town and see so much in this relatively small space. Right. We have uh, you couldn't fit it all in a couple of days. If you wanted to visit all the museums, it would probably take you a week. We also have a world renowned um, art museum with a collection that is, you know, is comparable to Kansas City or many other large cities. Um, we have. Uh, Mount Morris Cemetery, which is one of the oldest operating cemeteries west of the Mississippi, where our you know, Pony Express riders have been buried, governors have been buried, beautiful mausoleums are, are inside the museum that you can visit. We have the Rubidoux Row Museum, which is dedicated to our founder, Joseph Rubidoux. Um, it's a series of row houses that he created when he first settled here. And we also have, I don't know if you know this, the Walter Cronkite Memorial. Walter Cronkite was born in St. Joseph. And we oh, have a beautiful, really? we have a beautiful memorial dedicated to him out at Missouri Western State University that um, actually was commissioned by his family. We worked incredibly closely with his entire family, have actual artifacts from his collections, have his desk, have several of his Emmys, um, it's just a, a beautiful pictorial uh, exhibit dedicated to uh, America's newsman, Walter Cronkite. No fake news here when you come to visit. And that's the way it is. Absolutely. That's the way it is. I'm surprised, Beth, because I always associated just conversing about Walter Cronkite when his name would be dropped in uh, with the state of Texas. Is that no, where he, he was went to college? He was born here in St. Joseph, moved to Kansas City as a young child. Um, his father maintained a dentist office here in St. Joseph for many, many years. In fact, when you go to the Patey House Museum, there's a section of the museum called the Streets of Old St. Joseph. And it's set up as storefronts as they would have been during the 1800s, early 1900s. And you can walk in and out of them. And one of the storefronts is Dr. Cronkite's dentist office. So we have his dentist chair. We have a lot of the uh, tools that he used. It's set up just like he practiced right there in the Patey House. So it's very, very interesting to see. Now, I've heard it about three times. I've got to ask you, Beth, the Patey House, what is that? The Patey House is incredibly hard to explain. And I finally asked the owner what he, how he describes himself. And he described the museum as a museum dedicated to history and transportation of the 1800s. It is a three-story mecca of American history. I, I think that's the only way to describe it. Um, it was a hotel, famous hotel. In fact, um, Abraham Lincoln actually stopped here and had a shave at the Patey House. Um, the when Jesse James was shot, his family stayed at the Patey House Hotel during the investigation. 
But after it was closed, it was several different inclinations. It was a um, mattress factory for a while. It was a, I believe it was a nursing college for a while. Had many, many lives until the Pony Express Historical Association inherited it. And it is kind of the place where anybody who has any artifacts that they want to dedicate to a museum, they give to the Patey House. You can spend hours in this place and every time you go back, you will see something new. I just can't really describe it. It's just something you have to see in person. And with that, I also wanted to bring up the Black Archives. Missouri, of course, was crucially involved in the run-up and on the cusp of the Civil War. And I'm thinking that that would be very well represented at this particular location. It very much so is. Um, you know, we, we're very, um, we take pride in our Black history here in St. Joseph, uh, in, in our role in the Civil War. Um, we were, I think they say we were a split state here in Missouri. So you, you saw both sides of the war that influenced St. Joseph and our development. Uh, we have a great deal of um, musical influence here in St. Joseph. In fact, Coleman Hawkins, I don't know if you're familiar with his name. He was the father of the tenor sax. He was born here. Um, we have just a, a great deal of Black history, um, and yes, during February, it's it's a it's a wonderful time to visit. They're doing a lot of wonderful things at the Black History Museum. I know that our listeners will think I am remiss if I don't go back to the Glore Psychiatric Museum. When I walk <laughs> through the doors there, what am I going to see? You won't believe it. Uh, the Glore Psychiatric Museum is chronicles the history of mental health treatment from pretty much the beginning of time. It's another museum I can't quite describe. It's not scary necessarily. Uh, people, a lot of people think that they're going to walk in and be you know, terrified of what they see. But there are a lot of disturbing aspects of treatment that um, people thought were normal at the time. Um, and they have gone so far as to recreate some of these mechanisms, so to speak, that they use to treat people with various mental health illnesses. So you go into a section of the museum and there's a big wooden bathtub and you would sink somebody in this big wooden bathtub full of ice water. Mm. And that was supposed to uh, calm them down when they were going through a psychotic episode. Um, there's a chair that they would spin in circles, and that was supposed to do something to help their mental health. And you think back and think, well, that's doing exactly the opposite. Um, there's a whole section on lobotomies, how you know those were even uh, practiced well up into the 80s. Uh, lobotomies were still happening then. It's just, it's like a 145-year history of the state hospital here in Missouri, in Northwest Missouri, we actually, it's on the grounds of the state hospital. There were several throughout Missouri and we had, I can believe we were state hospital number one. And it chronicles just the, the strange treatments, surgical tools, treatment equipment, uh, personal notes from people who actually lived there at the state hospital. Um, it's, it's, it was called State Lunatic Asylum Number 2, and it opened in 1874. 
had 250 patients um, and they operated like a, a little colony. They were all, they all lived there. They all worked there. They all cooked there. Um, and now you can walk through it and see what it was like. And this is a tragic history, yes, but the history and the story also of people who were trying to do good, psychiatric exactly. good for humanity, and it is a tortured past, literally. You can draw a through line from there, I think, to one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and you uh, see much of the same thing. It is very reminiscent of that. Um, in fact, we do get a tremendous amount of nursing students that come to the museum to learn the history of, of psychiatric treatment. So, you know, it's interesting, of course, to the general public, but it's 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 part of their their learning, their education to become nurses and doctors in that field. Beth, we have just a moment left here, a minute, actually. Uh, let's uh, bring this up to present day. St. Joseph 2021, there's an event coming up in August from STEAM to the acronym S-T-E-A-M. That's going to be held in the second half of August. What's going on there? This is uh, the bicentennial of St. Joseph of Buchanan County on August 21st and 22nd here at our Civic Center Park, which is in the heart of St. Joseph. We're going to have a festival that's going to uh, showcase St. Joseph's contributions, past to present in science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics, which is STEAM. And there's going to be a lot of activities on the grounds, a lot of living history events, um, artists, um, history tours, um, a section for kids called the Innovation Zone, of course, food vendors, things of that nature for you know any kind of festival we're hoping uh we can continue with it it's looking good with um how the virus and the uh, the shots have been going and hopefully everybody will feel safe to be outside it's all going to be outside so there's safety um obviously come and maintain social distancing but uh, we're hoping we see a lot of people to come and experience saint joseph's history and there is a lot of history to discover. Beth Conway, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope to get there, shake your hand, and the iced <laughs> coffee, because I'll get there in summer. The iced coffee will be on. Oh, yes, we will have that for you. Thank Very you so good. much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Oh, it was our pleasure. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into American Road Trip Talk along with Thomas and Becky Rapp, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine, with all your itinerary, we could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. <laughs>